0: Hello, tennis fans. Welcome to another edition of the OTAs on tennis podcast series is presented by Mayfair clubs. Today, we're helping to celebrate an impressive milestone. This year marks the 50th anniversary of one of the leading indoor tennis and sports organizations in the country, the Mayfair clubs. That's right, tennis fans, Mayfair is 50 years old. We're pleased to welcome two special guests from Mayfair clubs today to chat about the history of the organization and also to keep us up to date with what's happening today and what the club's vision is moving forward. I'd like to welcome Mayfair club president and CEO, Melissa Ragarai. Melissa has been with the Mayfair for the past 10 years, starting as a controller and then was promoted to president two years later. And welcome also to Mayfair club's director of tennis, Ken Christina. Ken has been with Mayfair since 2013 and is responsible for all tennis programs. He has a long history with the game, first as an elite junior and open player, followed by years in tennis coaching and management. Many of you might also recognize his voice. He has been the official voice of the Rogers Cup in Toronto since 2014. Welcome to you both. Uh, So, Melissa, before we start delving into Mayfair's history, let's start by giving those listeners who might not be familiar with Mayfair the one-minute overview of the organization as it is today.
1: Okay. Um, Mayfair is a full-service health and wellness club of sports, and we've branched off into more than just sports. It's We've got spas, we have wellness, uh, physios, chiros, we have a restaurant for social reasons, we have a lot of social programs now. Our core is tennis, squash, and fitness, uh, but we are now a full-service club that is four locations across the GTA. And um, we've been around for 50 years and morphed into a full service club as of today.
0: Excellent, well, um, I can attest uh, full disclosure here. I was uh, a member of the, uh, and and an employee of the original Mayfair Mayfair North in Thornhill back a long time ago, and I recall at the time when I first walked in there because there wasn't very many indoor clubs around. I was just awed by the whole thing, the squash courts uh, and and the the wonderful structure. So it was kind of really cool for me. Um, So um, Ken, I'm just going to talk to you a little bit. Now you've, um, you currently oversee the tennis programming at all four Mayfair locations, but you have a much longer history actually with uh, Mayfair first as a junior, and then I guess an adult competitor. Um, So why don't you tell
2: us about some of your early playing days and training at Mayfair and, you know, when you first came across it? I think my first event at Mayfair, as I wasn't a member there yet, was in 1979. I played in the Polar Cup at Mayfair West. And I believe for the listeners, the Polar Cup was a brand new tournament. And I think the Horwood family designed the trophies for it. And the Horwoods we know are still big into the tennis world. I ended up winning the boys under 14 doubles, which was uh, which was quite uh, a fun event for me. It's one of my favorite trophies that I still have today. Um, then I, I kind of played in and around Mayfair for a bit, but then I started taking lessons at Mayfair Parkway back in 1980-81 with Gus Villanueva, the lefty. And uh, Gus, as everybody remembers, was a very uh, difficult person to play against and a very um, uh, tough coach on kids and he he certainly took my game to the to the next level and I think my probably my biggest um, match that I ever played at Mayfair was most likely at Mayfair West in 1982 when in doubles of the finals of the Nationals I defeated uh, along with my partner who was Richard Robert we defeated Grant Connell and Stephen Lear. Um, Grant Connell went on to be number one in the world in doubles And, of course, I went on to be number one in my house in doubles. So it was pretty close from that point on. Uh, Our our careers were pretty similar. Um, (laughs) And I guess uh, after juniors, I played a great father-son tournament at Mayfair West with my dad, the Remington Father-Son Tournament. Um, I believe that was in 1983, 1984. Uh, We lost to the family, the Sinclair family, Ken Sinclair and Bob Sinclair. Everybody will remember uh, the Sinclairs and how good they were. They were certainly much better than us on that day. I'm not going to mention the score was 6-love, six 6-1. Six we lost, but uh, at least we made it to the semifinals. Do you want us to edit that out, that score? No, you can keep that score in there. <laughs> um, we, uh, then I played uh, you know, a few uh, adult tournaments there. Of course, Mayfair has long held the uh, senior ITF tournaments. Um, and I guess my best adult tournament that ever played there was with James Gasparini in the over 35 Nash Eastern national doubles held again, I believe at Mayfair West and James and I, uh, defeated Paul Beck and Gary Mianchos who were the number one team in the country that year. So that was, uh, I think I hung my racket up competitively after that, that was a big win for me at that stage of my career. Um, and then I came along and, uh, eventually was fortunate enough to be hired, um, Right around the same time that uh, I believe Melissa was the one that, well, actually, Michael Emmett hired me and Melissa Ragaray okayed the hire. And um, <laughs> she and I have kind of been uh, spearheading things uh, ever since on the tennis side of things. And, of course, Melissa oversees everything else. But uh, she's been a huge um, asset for me in the, in the tennis side of things because she uh, has great vision. Um, we, we're a great team together, and it's uh, made for uh, a good success story so far for Mayfair for us in the last uh, seven, eight years we've been together.
1: Thank well, you, Ken.
2: Oh, you're welcome. You mentioned a lot of, um, a lot of big names in the sort
0: of uh, GTA tennis scene um, that you played against over the years. And I think it's safe to say that um, Since its inception, really, and certainly since uh, the mid 70s, 80s on, Mayfair has seen a lot of top-notch players go through it uh, as competitors, as members, and even as you know, uh, professional-level players. And there's been a lot of. I think it's contributed a lot to the competitive structure, not just in the GTA but in all of Canada for that matter.
2: Absolutely, Mayfair has been the home, right, with so many indoor tennis courts in the GTA. And the availability of the management team, both now with Melissa and I and prior to Melissa and I, and the owners the board of directors are strong supporters of, of competitive tennis, both in the GTA, Ontario, and in Canada. Mayfair has long been home to some very competitive um, players. Um, Bianca Andrescu actually played in the under-12 Nationals at Mayfair East And a funny story for the listeners, she was warming up for her match. And those of you that are aware of the Nationals, they have roaming umpires in the early rounds. So, you know, an umpire kind of walks around behind the courts and between the courts, making sure players are starting their matches on time and things like that. And Bianca was a little bit late hitting a forehand. So she's warming up and she was a little late hitting her forehand, which she still hits very hard today. Obviously, back then she still hit a good ball under 12. And she smoked the umpire in the back of the head, obviously by accident and uh the umpire went and did a face plant right down 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 with the umpire of course there's no penalty point or anything like that it was a complete accident but it was a funny story for the under 12 nationals to see that happen and it certainly boded well for bianca's forehand to improve from that point and get the ball a little earlier and get it on time but
0: Definitely, definitely um so you know it is it is the 50th anniversary hard to believe of of the uh the clubs and um I just want to take a few minutes to go back to the to the beginning of of Mayfair and and maybe um, Melissa, I can ask uh, ask you to just comment on a few things. Um, I know, as I said, I was a member and employee at the first Mayfair uh, which opened in 1970, obviously Mayfair North. Um, can you just sort of take us through um, what you know of the history uh, and and particularly, Maybe talk a little bit about the founders of the organization way back then, uh, and um, you know what their vision was, and how the club evolved to multiple locations and that sort of thing. Um, maybe even talk about the outdoor facility that was there for a while, because I think a lot of people, as I said before, have you know are very well aware of Mayfair as a huge tennis entity, but the history is so colorful and and so interesting, and it really is a foundation for tennis in this part of the uh, province and in the country for that matter. So I, I just love the, the listeners to sort of get a flavor of some of the, some of the early days of the organization.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, I've been a part of it for 10 years now. And uh, the management is the second generation at this point, and they're very proud of what their fathers did to build it to where it is today. Um, the North Club, as you mentioned, is the club I hear a lot about. It, it, it had a lot of popularity. Um, I think they had a, a few, a lot of outdoor courts. And I think one of the things they learned was it was difficult to have a year-round business with a court that only function in the summer. Uh, but the club, from what I understand, had a very, very high social environment. And a lot of people went to that club, not just for tennis, but for the social aspect of it. And um, I think it will, when the, in the 70s, the environment was so different. And the availability of that kind of thing at that time was fairly limited, I guess, to the general public. So they had a lot of demand and uh, the club was very popular. Uh, You can probably attest to this more than I can.
0: Yeah, I can if I could just jump in you are absolutely right about the social aspect of the club there was actually four indoor kit courts built uh initially and then they extended and built five more because there was such a demand for it and and you're right there wasn't a lot of indoor tennis anywhere around uh the city at that time so it was kind of a a unique uh, thing for many players who only played seasonally and certainly I actually worked part-time at the bar and uh bistro there so I can attest to the fact that it was a social club as well it wasn't all of us it was a, a group of you know all sorts of like the ladies teams would come and practice for a couple of hours and have lunch there and then there'd be a bunch of retired gentlemen that would come in the afternoons like three times a week my dad actually was one of them and they would play for a couple of hours get all competitive and then come and sit down and have a couple of beers and maybe a sandwich and talk about the uh, the old days with wooden rackets and white balls and and then go home and and start all over a couple days later so you're absolutely right the uh the north uh was a you know a social club but obviously things moved on from there as as i mentioned briefly there was the i think it was called the valley club that mayfair operated an outdoor club also in thornhill and and i remember playing there it was a also a wonderful location right in the Don valley um, but as you said, it was it was hard for a commercial club, I think, to sustain outdoor facilities when, you know, there were so many community clubs around that were charging like $30 for the season. So uh, anyways, yeah. you can take but, us through the next stage after that.
1: Yeah, I, I think Mayfair started with a fair bit of investors, but um, shortly after that, it came down to two main uh, individuals, the Subka family and the Zintil family, and uh, Harold and Joe. Uh, were the ones who spearheaded it to becoming a full service club. I think they were very good at observing what the demand of the community, of their communities needed at the time and responding to it. And some of the decisions that they made were quite future thinking. Um, Mayfair was some of the First facilities to implement some of the things they did which was risky at the time and kudos to them it was very visionary um they converted tennis courts into gyms right yeah they built um pools before it was something that people could foresee. people could foresee would be something that would be beneficial um and then as, as the social aspect developed we ended up with restaurants um and you know luxury locker rooms and anything that complemented fitness like having physios and chiros and massage available and it just we morphed to the needs of the community i think very well and mayfair has continued to do that during my time as well and i think that is the secret of our success
0: yeah i would i would attest to that i mean i think the um Certainly squash uh, was added very shortly. And I think it was even as early as the mid seventies that, you know, fitness uh, and fitness classes were, were introduced. And at at that time, I'll be honest, like guys like me were playing tennis, what's this fitness thing all about? But then, you know, the 20 minute workout came on TV and all of a sudden the fitness craze took off and it hasn't looked back. And I think Mayfair was one of the early adapters. And now you see, of course, and Ken, you can attest to this with some of the high-performance players that are training in places like Mayfair West. Um, the cross-training and the off-court training is an integral part of anybody's uh, success as a player, whether they're rec or high-performance.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. The, the fitness is a huge component of the game now. I mean, when we were younger, when I, when I would have played back in 1979 at Mayfair West in the Polar Cup, I would imagine, if, if memory serves me correctly, that the tournament director would have had to pry me off the Pac-Man machine or a game of cards before taking me on the court. Whereas now, with the players today, and even even our members, even our, our long-serving members, we've had members that have been at Mayfair uh, since the day we've opened. We've had members that have been at Mayfair for 40, 45, 47, 48 years they're taking use and making use of our of our fitness areas. They're making use of our pools. They're making use of of our um, multi-use uh, gym and our pickleball areas. They're using all that type of stuff. Whereas when I was younger, and my father didn't play. He played tennis, but he didn't do any fitness. He never would have ventured into a gym. But now players are doing that. And Mayfair, as Melissa said, has adapted to what our communities are asking for and looking for and we're serving so many more people now because of that and and our members are happier because we have more to offer uh, than we did when I was a kid when I played first at Mayfair West in 1979 or 19 maybe 83 84 there were 16 tennis courts there Uh, there was nothing else really um, other than a a snack bar and now uh, we have everything imaginable there and Melissa spearheaded for the West Uh, she might correct me on the date because I'm terrible with this, but I might say three years ago we did an enormous um, gym renovation. We added everything new, all new equipment, new lighting, new uh, HVAC, uh, new track, and um, we always argue about whose idea it was. So we'll we'll claim it was both of our (laughs) idea. Both Melissa and I decided that it would be best to put big windows in to overlook the tennis court. So now while you're working out in the gym, you can watch the people play tennis. It's uh it's pretty spectacular. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. I would attest to that. It is a, it is a terrific uh, addition to that facility. Um, so we have, we had the North, uh, the the next one up, I guess, was the West if I'm not mistaken. It was the second one built. Yes. Yeah. yeah correct. And that, and then that was followed soon by Parkway and later the East, uh, I guess in the interim um, the uh, the north facility was sold and then the lakeshore was added and that's i guess where we stand today
1: yes uh, definitely so- the lakeshore has been a, a huge success uh i think uh because of its geographical location and uh they have the city demographic which is an extremely social demographic um, yeah I, agree just-
0: with that. I think um there's a there's a, a dearth of indoor facilities or tennis facilities period in the downtown core and yet the Lakeshore is only, you know, I mean, on a good day, it's 15 minutes drive or whatever from downtown on a bad day, maybe 25. But it's certainly um, highly desirable geographically for a lot of uh, people that work in the downtown core. And you can tell by the clientele when you're there that it's, it's, you know, there's a definitely a corporate thing. But I also notice a massive uh, family presence at that club. And I'm sure some of the other ones as well. Can you talk to me a little bit about sort of accommodating families?
1: Yeah, well, you know, funny enough, that actually started from the infancy of the vision because the club was started by uh, people who wanted to play tennis with their families and their friends. Um, and it has continued into today. It, it We provide services so that you can come in as an individual and um, whether you're a family or not. And have uh, a very mature experience of a club or you can come in with your kids and we can entertain your kids separately from you if that is what you choose or you can operate as a family and do something together i think our restaurants are the main place where the families tend to collaborate Um, but our junior programs are just exploding uh and the juniors are in every department that we have now, whether it be, it's more, it's more um, separate from their parents, but then they collaborate and the kids space it's, it's huge for, um, you know, new mothers. They just love it.
0: Well, you know, sorry to interrupt. It's uh, it's it's, actually really funny cute to see at the clubs around the the dinner hour you have a lot of young families coming in with their kids and putting them into the pool for a swimming lesson or something and then they're so young they you know their parents take them in to get dried off and changed and they change right into their pajamas and then come into the bistro and have french fries or something and it's so cute to watch and then off they go and i guess the next step for them is into bed so their parents can have a Glass of wine at home, or something like that. But it's it's it definitely is a great family atmosphere. Um, you mentioned also the uh, junior, the develop, the junior development, and Ken, maybe you can talk to this. I think, you know, over the years, Mayfair has produced some very good uh, junior players. Um, but obviously, there's demands from the regular membership as well. But I noticed of late, in general, that there has been a huge explosion in um, young children. In, um, Coming to the game at a very young age, I, I don't know if it's a product of, you know, um, it's a healthy sport. It's very good for for girls and, and young women, uh, so, but it seems to me that there is a, has been an explosion. I'm sure your summer camps and, and your some of your March break camps are a, a testament to that. Maybe talk
2: about um, the junior development at, at, at uh, Mayfairs and how it's going. Absolutely. Well, it certainly helped to have, you know, Daniel Nestor was a, was a number one in the world in doubles. Grant Connell, before him, was number one in the world in doubles. But really, we we were missing a singles player in Canada. And then, you know, we had we had Schneider, Andrew Schneider, who I grew up with. I think he made it to 42, 43 in the world. Carling Bassett, uh, back in the day, was, I think, four or five in the world. But it wasn't there that long. And, and tennis was still kind of on the fringes. And then along came the, the likes of people like Milos. Milos Raonic, he, he, he's done okay. Pretty good, darn good player. A uh, heck of a serve. And Dennis and Felix and Bianca and Jeannie. And, and then the ones below them, is the younger ones coming along. And what Canadians started to realize, I think, is that we're just not a doubles nation anymore or a doubles country anymore. And Mayfair took it upon themselves to start to offer more junior programs um, to hire better, stronger, more informed coaches, I think. To um, our members, in credit to them, started to recognize that uh, there was times of the day when they had to kind of step aside from their regular games and give more court time to kids. Kind of that, <clears throat> excuse me, that four thirty to six thirty time frame and that Saturday afternoon, Saturday early evening time frame. Um, so it's kind of been a, a growth of our members kind of recognizing that, you know, we want to give some way to the next generation to give them a bit of court space. Um, Our coaches recognizing that, you know, we have an opportunity as a country to develop better and stronger players. And we can do it right here on the courts of Mayfair uh, at our four clubs in the GTA. And then the kids recognizing by watching TV and thinking I can, I can make it. If, if Milos can make it and Jeannie can make it and Dennis and Bianca and Felix and and Peter Polanski and Vashik and all these great players can make it. These great young Canadian players can make it. I can make it too. So that's made it a little bit easier for them to train, to work a little bit harder. Um, Over the the seven and a half, eight years that Melissa and I have worked together, we've brought in uh, Eddie Brisbois with a TTA program, Toronto Tennis Academy program at Mayfair uh, West. We've brought in um, Peter Cameron with a TTA program at Mayfair East. Uh, we've brought in Bogdan, who is a national coach with uh, Tennis Canada, and he's now running our high-performance program at Mayfair Parkway. And we had Mark Feinblum. We inherited Mark Feinbloom, and that's a great find because he's uh, been around for a long time and runs another great program at a later time slot at Mayfair East. Um, so w- that's really helped. I mean, at Mayfair West alone right now, we have over 300 kids in our junior program. Um, you never would have saw that when I was younger playing you know the, the kids that I coach nowadays laugh at me because I'll often say well you know they'll say what were you ranked when you were a younger coach and I was like 5th in Canada and they were like how many guys played 10 and then, <laughs> you know and that's kind of what it was like whereas now you know just at, at Mayfair West alone with with 300 kids in our in our pro, over 300 kids we're closer to 400 kids in our program you know almost 100 of those kids are high performance almost uh, 27 28 of those kids are ranked in the top 30 in the province so it doesn't take long to for these kids to improve because they're always training with great kids and they're training with, with better and better coaches. Yep. Yeah. And you know what?
0: Uh, kudos to you and Melissa Ken, because I, I really have noticed, you know, as a, as a employee at the OTA, I've really noticed um, that you guys are paying a great deal of attention to the next generation of players. I mean, um, because, you know, not only are they going to be next generation for our competitive structure, but, you know, in 10, 20 years, they will be the future members of Mayfair. You know, and, and
2: to that point, you know, we've talked in meetings before with our with our tennis staff that Melissa's been at about, you know, running OTA junior tournaments, whether it's the Rogers Rookie or the Rookie Tour events to the, to the two-star, the three-star, the national events. And sometimes there's not an enormous benefit that you can immediately see for a club to run those events. And sometimes there's not an enormous financial benefit for a club to see. But Melissa's been a strong supporter, and Mayfair um, Board of Directors have been strong supporters in saying, we want to run these tournaments because we want to give back to the game. We want to run these tournaments because this is our future member that's going to play in these tournaments. You know, I posted not long ago on Instagram a picture of our ladies uh, singles champion and finalist, in uh, the Mayfair West Women's Singles Tournament. It was a, la- a lady won it by the name of Amy Hiltz. She beat another uh, young lady by the name of Jillian Tessis in the finals. I don't want to guess at their age, but they both got a couple of kids and uh, real strong players. They showed me a picture the next day of when they played each other in an under-12 uh, event on the courts of Mayfair West back when they were kids and the same player had won that tournament. So that's what Mayfair is about. It's about giving kids an opportunity because we know that's the future growth of our, of our uh, sport, both in the GTA and with, within this country, as, as some of our members obviously will move onwards to other locations.
0: Right. Actually, another great high-performance initiative that Mayfair started three years ago was the Mayfair Toronto Pro League. There are other leagues in the GTA, uh, Ken, but the MTPL really stands out. It pits the best players in the GTA against each other for cash and pride. Uh, tell us about how the league began and how it's showcasing top
2: tennis talent, including some hotshot juniors. Oh, that's a great question, Peter. Actually, Sandra Barrett first saw something similar when she was on a trip down in South Carolina she came back and she said, you know, they run this pro league and fans come out and watch and they they bring their lawn chairs and they bring a little cooler for some beverages. And they watch the best players in the area of South Carolina uh, play. I think it was down near Hilton Head. And every once in a while, they bring out some top flight uh, kind of pro players from from the ATP tour. And uh, we're thinking maybe we should run one like that up here. So I said, well, let's give it a try. So we kind of looked into it. we We sent out some feelers and talked to some pros, and uh, we decided we would uh, would run it. And the Mayfair Toronto Pro League was born. and you're right, it was three years ago. We're coming up on our fourth year. And the members of our club and the members of the tennis community in the GTA and surrounding areas have loved it. The level of play has been spectacular. So, uh, it, it's been great. It's been great for Mayfair. It's been great for tennis, and of course, it's been great for the pros. Is they're making money now to play matches. Yeah, and you know,
0: um, I've been out to a few of the uh, matches myself, and and actually was lucky enough to see them down in in with Sanders Group in in Hilton Head. and uh, I can personally attest to the 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 real buzz and the real level of play, uh, it's really exciting evening and Mayfair has gone all out. They've, you know, cordoned off one of the courts to have uh, seating and and beverages and and meals and that sort of thing. So it's really a sort of a fan experience, which I I think sort of separates it from some of the other leagues. Um, Not to mention the fact that, you know, it's the best against the best in the entire city. Um, And it looks like a lot of the Mayfair members are really embracing it and coming out themselves and supporting it. Um, and actually, I guess you can talk a little bit. There's been a couple of special guests that have actually showed up and, and watched some of the matches over the, the last couple of years.
2: Yes, we've actually had, I think, our number, our top grossing um, fans, let's say. We had over over 250 fans out uh, for one of the uh, matches one time. But some of our special fans, yes, uh, we've had uh, Milos Raonic has been out to watch. I believe he's come out twice and uh, Dennis Shapovalov has been out a couple of times. Of course, these young players grew up playing against the people that are in our Mayfair Toronto Pro League. So both Milos and Dennis came out and watched some of their buddies playing. Um, I think for Dennis, it was his hitting partner, Jan Olifrez, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. As the announcer of the Mayfair Toronto Pro League, I butchered a few names over, over the course of the three years, <clears throat> which is, uh, you know, about what I do at the Rogers Cup every once in a while. You try your best, but uh, some of the names are tricky. But, yeah, Milos came out and sat down and uh, watched for about an hour and a half, two hours one night. Dennis stayed for for the whole the whole show one night. He was there for about five hours. Um, you know, it features the top juniors in the country, the top juniors in the GTA. And it features, you know, some returning NCAA players, some some CIA players from college tennis here in Canada, and then your local tennis pros, some guys from Mayfair Lakeshore play, James Salmon plays, Michael Emmett plays, um, some pros from around the city, Um, and it's just, it it really is a fun night. Uh, And you're right, we set up a little kind of bar restaurant area on the one court, and the fans kind of hang out and. For me, it's great because I get to see a lot of people from around the GTA that have been around tennis for a long time, not members of Mayfair, but they come out and watch some great action. So it's been a lot of fun and we hope, we certainly hope that we're able to get our fourth year off the ground, depending on what goes on with the current state of things with social distancing and physical distancing. But we're we're hopeful that the Mayfair Toronto Pro League will be alive and well and strong again this September uh, or October with a, probably an October start date.
0: Well, you know, as I said, Ken, um, it was very inspiring to see these players give it their best. And, and I think it's a great initiative. Uh, Melissa, maybe you can comment on this. I know that, you know, right from the beginning, Mayfair um, has always had a culture of supporting tennis in Canada. And um, I think you have a, a scholarship program because, I mean, a, a tennis isn't affordable for everybody. But I think Mayfair stepped up and developed a scholarship program. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something actually that Ken and I, uh, or well, it's more Ken actually <laughs> that uh, talked about it. Um, we see so many kids through the program that has such potential, and we understand how difficult it is financially. Um, it's not, it's not an something that an average person can afford, um, and we know the type of assistance that they need. So, I mean, we do at times. Um, provide other things through Bayfair that's not really known to the general public when we see somebody who has that much potential and really needs the opportunity. But the scholarship program we established because we saw an opportunity to start a program and um, we just used it uh, as a way to give back. Uh, we didn't have to, but but it's something that we decided we could do. So we 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 wanted to. And, you know, Kudos to Tennis Canada. They've done a great job at uh, building the sport. And we recognize that it, it is hugely important to clubs like us as well. So we're, we're trying to assist as much as we can as wherever we can.
0: Right. Well, um, it's a it's a time of segues because that was going to be my next question and, or next question. Uh to throw out there um, you've had a fairly long association as a sponsor and and otherwise with um tennis canada and the rogers cup uh, not the least of which to mention is ken being the official voice of the rogers cup here in toronto um, Can you, uh, Ken, maybe I'll throw this over to you. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with the Rogers Cup? Not yours, I mean yours personally, but also Mayfair's. And, you know, I know, for example, that it's a practice facility for the players. There's a lot of things that people may not know about behind the scenes that go on between Mayfair and Rogers Cup.
2: Absolutely. Well, I will start by telling you that in 2009, Mayfair Clubs was awarded the Outstanding Loyalty Award to the Canadian Open which we all know is the Rogers Cup, and significant contribution to tennis development over the past 25 years from Tennis Canada. So in 2010, Mayfair Clubs was presented with the special recognition award from Tennis Canada to honor Mayfair's efforts and their dedication to the sport of tennis in Canada. So that was a great award for Mayfair Clubs, a great award for our board of directors. Um, I can tell you that you know, we, we are heavily involved in supporting the Rogers Cup. Uh, firstly, we're a sponsor. Uh, we have a booth that's, that's at the Rogers Cup on a yearly basis, yeah, a little bit to, get, to kind of show our brand and, and keep the Mayfair name out there. But in, our, in my discussions with Melissa about this over the last seven, eight years, it's really just to give back. It's really just to support uh, the, the largest tournament that's in Canada, a 1,000 uh, level event that's in Canada, and, and to show, you know, the world that um, you know we're a strong supporter of the development of, our, of tennis in our country at every level. Um, you know, what we do, we do, we offer, um, practice courts for them. A lot of the players, especially when the women are in town, they'll come and practice at Mayfair West, whether it's raining or not. Usually when the men are in town, they'll only come when it's raining. But last year, uh, when the women were in town, Angie Kerber came to Mayfair West six days in a row. And the weather was nice outside on five of those six days. And she practiced on the court. She was great. She would do pictures. She'd do things like that. She then went to the showers. Um, had a shower she came and had lunch then she visited our our gym overlooking court number one and then uh, she would go out and practice again in the afternoon if it was a day off so that was kind of cool uh, we've had raf uh, rafael nadal there practicing novak Djokovic has been there practicing um so it's kind of kind of cool that way um we also uh we we try whenever we can to to allow some of the uh, the volunteers to kind of come in um, either before the event or after the event, we'll we'll kind of sneak them in the, the side door and let them do a little bit. Some of the volunteers have been with Tennis Canada for a long time. We try to give back to them and give them a couple hours of some tennis to to try and uh, you know give give them a little taste of uh, of Mayfair and what Mayfair has to offer with our great facilities. Um, but it, it, it's been a great partnership for for Mayfair and I believe uh, a great partnership for Tennis Canada. So. It's been nice to be able to support one another as we've gone through. I mean, most of the listeners will remember back in the day when uh, the, the Rogers Cup or Canadian Open back then was at the old site. Um, holy smokes, has it ever come a long way from there? And uh, hopefully uh, with what's going on in the world right now, uh, we'll be able to battle through it and uh, we'll see uh, tennis uh, return for the ATP and the WTA in the not so distant future into Toronto. Well, that's that's the hope of
0: all of us for sure. Um, so, Actually, um, another segue. Um, Today's times, I mean, this is uh, obviously in the midst of a pandemic, COVID-19. Tennis is not tennis as usual at the grassroots level at all. And, of course, it's affected your club as well as just, well, every other club in in the country, uh, around the world for that matter. Um, Obviously, it's tough for you right now uh, to be closed. But talk a little bit about, uh, I think you guys are in a, in a, a better position than a lot of organizations in the tennis industry because i think you've planned very well and have built a, a very strong business what um what are your so well first of all it's it's the 50th anniversary and unfortunately this has rained on the parade a little bit but you know the year is far from over so just wondering what you maybe had planned for the 50th and what you might morph that into and also just um you know, your thoughts about when when it's time to reopen and, and how you're going to position yourself at that time?
1: Well, I mean, it has derailed our, our plans for the 50th a little bit. And we're, we're talking about maybe um, celebrating at a later date when we can because, you know, our 50th year is not exactly a calendar year. So next year we might still go ahead and do some of the activities we have planned for our members. Uh, the initiative was for our members to enjoy uh, programs we established linked to the 50th and um, we were gonna have parties, um, but we might just push it to next year. Uh, right now, we're just focusing on making sure that everyone is, is well and in a good place so that when we restart, um, we will have our staff ready to go. Um, Whenever whenever that is. Uh, We're in the midst right now of planning how that is going to happen. Uh, We're keeping an eye on how um, Europe is doing it and other countries that are starting up before us and see what type of um, restrictions or common sense will be needed uh, for when we reopen. Uh, It's very unpredictable right now what membership and billing would potentially be like right uh but um you know Mayfair being around for 50 years and having a core membership is really something that gives us a lot of uh, peace of mind because we know that there's a large percentage of our membership that is going to stick with us regardless of the difficulty and is you know thankfully financially able to right. um, so we're really lucky in that regard that maybe some of the clubs
0: don't have yeah though for sure um i look forward to that opening day i think you're going to have uh, well if we're allowed lineups you're going to have quite a few eager fitness players squash players swimmers and of course tennis players uh chomping at the bit to get back in uh, into that facility
2: uh to, to hone their game again and restart and ken you might be doing a lot of lessons yeah, we've we've looked. Um, Melissa's been great. We've been meeting uh, once a day, uh, every weekday for about two hours or so. Uh, with on, the, on, with the,
1: our, on the Zoom thing? <laughs> yeah,
2: on Zoom with our with our management team. Um, so it's been great. We've looked at uh, what we can do for tennis. And of course, we've got a lot of options. But we're also waiting to see if if the government comes out with guidelines or recommendations or mandates or rules or whatever the what might happen, but we'll, we'll be ready. um, I'd almost say at the drop of a hat to, uh, to go with it, with whatever they put forward. And if they don't put forward anything, we're going to have our own kind of set of guidelines in place. You know, you've, you've, a lot of listeners have been watching Twitter and looking at, you know, two cans of tennis balls on a tennis court so that you have the balls that you touch and I have balls that I touch. Of course, I'll make sure mine are like road hockey balls. So my (laughs) serves going way quicker. You know, those types of things, removing benches, you know, uh, removing tubes or making sure the tubes are cleaned all the time if you're picking them up, two people maximum per court. We're looking at different options depending on where we're at when we're finally allowed to open the doors again. But you're right. Members will be, uh, you know, dying to get back through the door. I remember reading an article not long ago that when they opened Mayfair North, they had a wait list to get in on day number one. So we're anticipating that when we're allowed to open our doors again, that people will will be clamoring to get back through them to, uh, to do the things that they love and the things that they're missing the most right now. Definitely. You know, I I must uh,
0: commend you also on um, your marketing team. Um, We've actually been running links weekly to your virtual tennis uh, tips and lessons and fitness tips and lessons. And I, I think that's been a great way to mobilize your membership. And, and, you know, you've also, throwing it out there to anybody who happens to be, uh, you know, a tennis fan or a sports fan or what have you. So I think that's a nice way to keep the engagement going in these difficult times.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think, important for us to function as a community right now. It's not just about our membership or sales or what's financially beneficial. It's about it's about banding together as a community and, and doing the best we can.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt, and Kenny will attest to this as well, you're never more than one or two generations removed from a from a tennis player. Like, it's a small community. Um, everybody knows each other. And, and, you know, although there's, you know, clubs are in competition with each other and as our players, there's a real sense of community, I think, because it is a fairly small sport compared to hockey and some of the others. But I think uh, looking
2: out for each other is better for the sport in the long run. Totally. So I, I agree with that for sure, 100%. And, and when we had our first uh, discussion about doing online uh, fitness classes and some online tennis demonstrations and things like that, um, I can't remember who posed the question, but Melissa right away said, no, we don't want to have it for, for our members only. We'd like to open it up and, and support our community in these trying times. You know, it's it's funny when you say community because I was out at Metro yesterday Um, in the early afternoon, I had to go and uh, drop some groceries off for my mother, who's a little bit older and has a few conditions. So we haven't really let her out of the house. And I was at Metro (laughs) with, um, my significant other, Nancy. And I turned around, I was like, I think that's Bianca's dad. Hey, yeah, that's Bianca's dad. And I've met him two or three times at Mayfair. He's been there for some commercials and some things that Bianca has done. and, And of course the Rogers cup on the final Sunday when she, when she won and she had told me she was going to win it. Uh, it was pretty humorous, but so he was there and he kind of rounded the corner and I saw him. I was like, Hey, how you doing? And he looked at me and he had no clue who I was. And I was like, just so disheartened. And then I realized I had my mask on, I had a hat on and I had sunglasses on. <laughs> so I, you know, I started just robbing everything off my face and he was like, Oh, hi. I go, it's Ken from this Yes, yes. I know you now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the Everywhere you go, you see tennis players and everywhere you go, you see people, you know, from this sport, whether it's, you know, you met them at Mayfair in a tournament or you met them at Mayfair swimming in the pool or you met them at, you know, walking the dog or at Metro like I was yesterday. Everywhere you go, you run into tennis people and lovers of the game. And we know that by by being strong supporters of the game, we're going to help tennis grow for generations to come for sure. Um, so on
0: that note, actually, um, we've talked about the past, about the present. Um, Melissa, maybe you can sort of give me a short synopsis of how you see Mayfair progressing in the next, you know, three, five, ten years. Um, is, uh, is it going to be more of the same? Or is there any expansion plans or you add well, features? Or well, what?
1: As I said before, you know, what Mayfair has done a great job at, which we've continued to do, is pay attention to what the community wants and what the generational change in the generational needs are. And we have noticed that the generation coming forward are a little bit more focused on experiences, life experiences, um, more than um, what, what, what I want to say is like the grade of the tile in the locker room. Their focus is on experiences. That is why we've started ramping up or social aspect or or um programs that we could do that's not necessarily on the property but linked to um us organizing it so i think that is somewhere that the our services will move towards and i i from what i understand it it used to be like that at one point a little bit Mm -hmm. and and as you know things go in a, a bit of a circle there's only so much new there is you just it goes in a bit of a circle. Um, but I think that's that's where what we're looking at for the next 10 years or so. I mean, obviously, our core will remain, and we will always provide a great on-site service, and we'll always have good facilities. Um, but I think that is what I notice the newer generation wants.
0: Right. Well, I think having um, your core um, offerings there, I mean, if it ain't Pro, don't fix it uh, yes the popularity i mean just how many members are there uh, well i mean there's a general membership but do you have a sense of how many tennis members there are amongst the four clubs
1: uh tennis members i couldn't say exactly but we have approximately 11,000 members approximately um 8,000 adults right wow um yeah the 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 junior the junior sorry
0: that makes you a big club <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, we're we're doing pretty good, um, but uh, I think I think there, the 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 limited capacity of the building is where we're probably going to hit a, a roadblock in regards to expansion of of uh, services uh, that requires square footage.
0: Right, gotcha. Unless
1: well, unless we expand into new locations, which is possible.
0: Right. Well, listen, um, I I applaud you, what you're doing. I, I, as I said, off the top, I was not an original member at the North, but a fairly early one. And I've watched Mayfair keenly because I'm a keen tennis player and fan myself. And I've always been impressed with the way it operates. And and the facilities were always leading edge. I mean, to have a a permanent indoor tennis structure back in the seventies was quite rare. And, you know, when you compare it to playing in a bubble, well, there is no comparison. And, and even, you know, 10 years before Mayfair started, or not even like five years before my parents would be literally playing once a week at a school on a school gym. So we've come a long way. And I think Mayfair has certainly been one of the leaders in that, in that regard. So, um, listen, I, I appreciate you both taking the time to, uh, chat with us and, and bring us up to date with Mayfair and talk a little bit about the history. And, um, Look forward to uh, your reopening uh, once this is all behind us and uh, bigger and better things. And uh, good luck in in all your endeavors. So thanks so much.
1: Thank you very much for the invite. And it was great to be here.
2: Yeah, Peter, thank you very, very much for having us. And, you know, Mayfair is looking forward to the next 50 years and supporting and working jointly with you guys at the Ontario Tennis Association and with Tennis Canada. And uh, Melissa and I probably won't be at Mayfair for the next 50. Uh, At least I won't be as I'm 54, but uh, we're certainly looking forward to seeing the game grow for years to come. Thank you.
0: The On Tennis podcast is presented by Mayfair Clubs. With four locations across Toronto, Mayfair Clubs offer first-class facilities and integrated training programs for fitness, tennis, and squash. Mayfair Clubs celebrates 50 years in the business this year. For more information, please visit mayfairclubs.com.